Charles Noe. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 327.5. As a typical 0.5 episode, it is only one hour. Jason Lingren is with me and Mr. K is back. Mr. K appeared previously on episode 361, and that related to episode 360 with Jessica on the brink. That was about having a baby in a reasonable, insane way. Uh, anyhow, welcome, Jason. And good morning. Welcome, Mr. K. Hey guys, good to be back. All right. So I guess I should tee it up. This is all about Ibogaine, also known as Iboga. When I first did the first episode where I carried Iboga, I was aware of it, but I didn't know a lot about it. After we did the episode, I was so intrigued. I got a number of books. I read them. I met others and I began to realize this is the real deal. And not only is it the real deal, it is its own class, as far as I can tell, of I'm not going to call it a psychedelic because it, it's not. It's something else. Uh, it's not like a mushroom. It's not like ayahuasca. It is this other thing altogether. And the moment I read about what I'm about to say, everything changed for me. Multiple, multiple, multiple claims of people who were addicted to some of the worst drugs you can be addicted to did the iboga or ibogaine experience, typically one to three days. And they described it like this. I no longer am addicted. As soon as the experience was over, I was no longer addicted. And the iboga reset my brain or whatever it is to pre-addiction state. Now, the first time I read that, I said, come on, because everybody knows breaking addiction, the hard part is what comes after. Some drugs, you can go years without feeling right, particularly these drugs they prescribe to you to get you off things like Vicodin. What they give you is actually harder to get off, but I accept it all day long now. What Iboga does, if it is successful and you are willing to go the distance, uh, is it resets your brain to what is called a pre-addiction state and it's amazing. So Mr. K, do you agree with everything I just said? Yeah, hundred percent. Very powerful and effective and it did wonders for me. But let's let's outline why you decided. I, I think you heard an episode we did, which is what led you to seek and do the ibogaine experience. But let's just lay it on the table. What were the addictions that were ruining your life that you wanted to get away from? Yeah, so I'm 37. When I was 15 years old, I was handed a oxycotton. Not like from malintent. It was just my grandfather trying to help me out because I had injured myself, and nobody really knew what it was back then, and I enjoyed it tremendously and it helped with pain. So from that time on, I was pretty much on some form of opiate well over half of my life. And when I came to the age of having children, I decided I needed to get away from it. And the only thing available at the time was Suboxone. <clears throat> so I'd been on that for almost 12 years, 14 years. And it got to a point where it just, it kind of numbs life out a little bit because you're, it is an opiate itself, but it's also not, it makes managing that addiction and even pain doable, but there is a cost with it. And, um, I got to the point where it was heavily on my mind, especially with all the supply chain things we're going through and people trying to be self-sufficient in our community and get away from big pharma. It's like, I need to do this. I need to do this. And, um, I had an opportunity. I, I, uh, had an incident on a extension ladder working with, um, a tree and 
things went a little sideways and I decided either let the tree hit me or jump. And I took a 20 foot jump off an extension ladder and broke part of my wrist and my L3-4 part of my pelvis. This was in March and went to the hospital for three days. They bound me up and sent me home and gave me some oxycodone. And the entire time I was in the hospital, I was not on the Suboxone. And they were having a hard time, like even treating pain at all because I was on such a high dose. And I got out of there and it seemed like a perfect time to try to get wean myself off or just totally get off of of these things. And I was basically using the oxycodone to stave off withdrawals from the Suboxone for about 20 days, maybe 15 days. And in that time, I was. I listened to your episode with James and started doing my own research on the Ibogaine, boga. And my plan was to obtain it. And then basically when I ran out of that prescription they had given me, I didn't want to go back to the Suboxone or anything. And that's what I did. So I, I took it, had a pretty profound experience, lasted almost 48 hours. But let, let me let me cut in there before we do the experience. Let, let's be level with everybody. From what I comprehend, things like Suboxone are usually getting people off anything from heroin to another heavy opiate. If I'm not confused here, Suboxone is one of those drugs that has a longer, I'll just call it a half-life. In other words, if you were coming off something like Vicodin, there would be some period of time that makes it difficult on the backside. Things like Suboxone and Methadone are listed in the Ibogaine book as they are so powerful that it can take a year just to start to be free of them. But here's the thing. Ibogaine, as far as I know, is not legal in most of the states, if any of them. The other thing I will say is that you can, you can seek it out and you can go places. You can do the Ibogaine experience. Don't get me wrong. But everything I've read, you need a guide. And the reason you need a guide is to help you because it could be two or three days while you're in it. So I just want to make that clear. It is illegal as far as I know everywhere. And if you're doing it responsibly, you're using a guide. And I hate to ask you, Mr. K, but it sounds like you went this single-handed. My wife, Mrs. K, was my nurse slash guide. Ah. She kind of kept just checked in on me, made sure everything was going okay. And yeah, it was it was very, very interesting. And and like you were saying that most of most of the Vicodin and Oxy is a short acting opiate. So the you know, if you can get through a weekend or a week without it, you can pretty much clean out of it. It made you may still have the mental addiction side of it but physically it's doable in these methadone and suboxone is long it's long acting and that's what was really kind of freaking me out i started reading all these forums about people's experience trying to wean off and get off of it and it was like nightmarish like years right so they're like they're like oh yeah they're like weaning down for a year or more which is only dropping your level of addiction. And I, I've read that some people don't feel right, even after they're completely off for up to two years or more. I mean, I don't know what you saw when you were looking. Yeah, very similar. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if I could even do that. <laughs> like just weaning, weaning down and weaning down until you're just like, 
smelling it or something and then and then going through the withdrawals or whatever and i was i was going through pretty pretty well full withdrawals the first two weeks leading up to the iboga and that's with taking a pretty high dose of oxycodone that they had given me i mean i was not sleeping at all just tossing and turning and feeling like garbage so i think the equivalent of the 16 milligrams of suboxone i was on i looked up some chart and it was like 400 milligrams of oxy is like the crossover equivalent don't quote me on that but it definitely was a powerful thing but it also like i was i was functioning doing doing good at life this whole time it was just like something bothering me that i knew i needed to change or get off of because i didn't want to end up in a situation where all this stuff is gone and then i'm like freaking out or you know just having a terrible time with it so so you're, you're talking about what everyone's worried about if the supply chains truly break think about what we're talking about here so the medical system gets you addicted to something like vicodin with a short half-life then they give you a drug to get off that addiction that has a much longer half-life and is much more difficult to get off of what's going on there who in their right mind is worried about an initial addiction, which would take so many weeks to deal with. And they give you a different drug, which addicts you much more, you know, thoroughly and takes, I've read years to get off. Who does that? So what happens? This is the thinking. If the supply chains break, think of all the people all over the world that have been put on Suboxone or other things, and all of a sudden it's gone. So that was the the issue in the thinking. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but we need to identify, there are a few different ways you can do ibogaine. Uh, I think it's what, the root, the bark, that's pretty much the common ways, right, Mr. K? It's the root or the bark, right? Yeah, so what I learned about it is the Bitwee tribe in Africa where it's harvested, it's a root bark, and um, those locals will will just kind of scrape off and eat the root bark, maybe grind it up and eat it, which if you're doing that, you need a lot more of it and probably a tough stomach and gut system to be able to process it. The second level is like a an extract where they soak it and extract the alkaloids out of it. So it's kind of like making a hash out of the root bark. So it's much more potent and concentrated. And then the step beyond that is the HCL where they basically lab extract it to just the ibogaine compound or or the active ingredient. Do you feel like there's a difference between just harvesting the bark and doing the other two processes? There must be a difference when you take it. Yeah, there definitely is. I think the closer you get to the root bark, the longer it will take the iboga to process through your system. So I did the the middle of the road, the total alkaloids, and it was every bit of 24 hours, no sleep, but very introspective. Like the whole experience was, that's a whole nother story. But I, I think the, um, a lot of the treatment centers and places that offer this, like in Mexico and other countries, they use the HCL, which is like the very pure, almost like crystal version of it. So it comes on very strong. Like if you read about it, you'll hear, and even James's experience where he's seeing people from the 1800s like 
that pure version will do some like crazy psychedelic stuff like that but it also comes out of your system quicker and for me i think the um the one that i did that it took a lot longer for it to come on and a lot longer for it to work its way out okay total time how long did it take to come on and how long were you intertwined with the iboga experience noticeably 48 hours and it took maybe six or eight for it to really come on full strength but that glow or the residual the half-life of ibogaine is very intense and that's part of the reason that it works so well for opiates and things like that because you are kind of on a different mental plane for at least 30 days i mean it's definitely there (laughs) noticeably there well describe that a little bit better So what you're saying is for two days, you were intertwined with the Iboga experience. But what you're saying is for maybe if you did that on the first, for the rest of that month, you could detect that you were thinking in a different way or you were completely hallucinating or something like that. What's the way to explain it? Yeah. So the only, I didn't, I didn't hallucinate Um, when this kicked in strong at the and I took small doses over a period of time until it was gone or whatever. But probably the closest hallucinogenic feeling was just like I was listening to some 432 hertz classical music. And it was just amazing to listen to. Kind of like if you're doing some other hallucinogens and just music blows your mind. There was that effect of it. And then when I finally turned, I turned off the music and just started think because I could hear my conscience kind of creeping into my head and what it does you start to um, talk to yourself talking to your conscience and you're rather than you know you you might say man I need to stop eating this much or doing this or whatever throughout the week or throughout the day and it's just kind of a thought well when this is going on you are in complete agreement with your conscience like it makes total sense and you're like definitely need to do that. We're doing that. And it's just like a very introspective experience. And you come out of it agreeing to do all the right things. And that sticks with you over the course of the next few weeks or even a month. And uh, I think that's where the the power of it truly is. It's like, yeah, you could, you could do the, the stronger versions and see all these crazy things. And, and that could be profound, but what you're really going for is a change of habit and you really come out of it with no desire to injure yourself or do the things that were self-destructive because you're, you're in agreement with this beautiful higher self that knows what the right things to do are that you've kind of been ignoring. And um, I think that's where the power of it lies is like, you have to go in prepared for that. And that's one of the things that I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't, and you read about it and you're like, am I going to see a giant movie theater going on in my head and all this? But uh, if I did it again, I would probably kick the music off early and spend more time just in my own head and acknowledging things and working through them. Do you agree with the clinical studies that I read were almost to a person where the addiction was? removed they say the words my brain or my person was reset 
to a pre-addiction state and there were no withdrawals. Do you agree with that? I do agree. Yeah. And the, the most challenging thing for me was because it is sort of a stimulant. I didn't want to sleep for a day or two. Like I didn't fall asleep for 48 hours, I think. And that was kind of rough. And that, that could be part of the total out the TA taking so long to work its way through, but you could definitely feel like a cleansing, a physical cleansing happening. And then like when you're past that and you finally do sleep and wake up and everything like the desire for anything destructive or um, like just those, those addictive tendencies were just gone. And I even had like, I had half a bottle of Suboxone left in my truck that I would. And I think when we first talked, I still, I had still had it. And you, you're like, dude, you got to get rid of that. And I actually threw it out the window on the highway Ooh. <laughs> a week after we talked, but it was like, it was there and it never even crossed my mind that I would take it again. And I had no desire to, and I, I think I just kept it as like a test to see if it, if this thing would work or not. Well, let's, let's be honest. I, I've broken addictions in my life. What you're thinking is if I start going into withdrawal hell, I had better have something here to save me. Isn't that really what you're thinking? I think so. And it was like, I forgot it was even there. And then I'm like, Ooh, I probably should get rid of this. But yeah, it's, it's all gone. I've been off of it since March, uh, mid-March. How many addictions did you break all in all? So I was on Vivance as well, which is like a medical grade speed basically for ADD. And I broke that. I broke the um, Suboxone, which were the two major things that I wanted to get past. I was intermittently smoking like here and there and I quit that. So three, I'd say three. What about alcohol? Do you drink beer or anything? Was that affected in any way or do you drink? So I was, I was drinking very heavily just to like, I think come off, come down at night off of the Adderall medication or the Vivance. So that I, I pretty much eliminated that. I do have a couple beers here and there, but it's not like nowhere near the level I was And that. That was one of the driving factors to do this as well. It's like so many, I'm putting so many chemicals and things in my body every single day that I don't need. And I don't know how to stop this without like tremendous pain or taking, you know, months off work and pausing life to like go through this process. And the odds were not in my favor. Like we mentioned with the Svox and people wean down so, so long and, and so far on that, that they're like, dude, there's no way you can just cold Turkey that. And it worked. I'm here to, I'm here to testify. It worked. That is a big, 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 huge, massive deal. And I'll say it one more time. What kind of a medical establishment replaces a lower level addiction with one that is almost statistically impossible for a person to break on their own? And what happens if the supply chain, people addicted in these ways, gets cut? The whole idea is they gave you these things for pain. You want to know pain, come through a high-level addiction, and you may still have the pain you were treating in the first place. It's a torture beyond description for people fortunate enough to have never done it. But to get back to it, you say about 48 hours and 
did you like a lot of the things I read? And actually, I've talked to a few people now who've written me since we did the initial Iboga episodes. I heard explanations like all of a sudden my life just started playing in front of me. And even the bad things are the worst things, but it happened so quick. There's no time to cry or there's no time. You know, it's just coming, coming, coming. And in that, I heard almost to a person, if you do this and you fight against it, you're going to be in for a couple of days of misery. If you're all in and you go with it, then it's something different altogether. Did you experience anything like that? Yeah, I didn't have like necessarily visual flashing life flashing before my eyes, but I did introspectively kind of go through um, a number of years and, and just the way that I interact with my family, my kids, work, all kinds of things where I was just acknowledging weaknesses and areas that need improvement and then just totally on board with all of those things. And that sticks with you. It's like, once you realize some of these things, it's like, why, why was I dumb before? Why wasn't I noticing this? And I think it's the chemicals strip some of that from you. And then it just becomes like part of your routine. And we are very routine creatures. And it even like just the financial side of it, like you have to have a different doctor for the Suboxone and that's an expense getting the medications an expense and just chasing chasing all this stuff around making sure it's there making sure you're not going somewhere and forgetting it so you don't end up in withdrawal and like it was a balancing act for many years and i just think about all the time and money wasted and even the like the other addictions like how much time you get back is tremendous and filling that with like positive things is, has been a, you know, we were on that path before, but now it's, it's more. So Rose just asked me, did you remember things that you had forgotten about or not thought about for a long time? Um, probably I, it was just, it was more or less just like, why am I doing this? And you're right. You shouldn't be doing this. And just taking taking that stuff really seriously and just coming to agreement with yourself and your conscience. Like we need to, we need to fix this stuff. And I don't know that I had like anything profound that I had forgotten about, but it's, it's almost like still comes back to me. Like I'll think about stuff now that was previously gone. Like almost every day I'm having, memories or things popping back into my mind that I would normally wouldn't think about. And that that could just be because I'm clean from that. And I'm, I mean, colors are brighter, food tastes better. All, all of life is better. And that weight is gone. That's an important thing. So very few people know where I grew up in San Diego and the time that I grew up in East County was when crystal meth was introduced into this country. And it eventually went everywhere. It was introduced, we suspect, through the Hells Angels. And there were periods of time in the mid-80s when you could drive through places like El Cajon and every light was on everywhere. It was epidemic. Well, one of the things that gets described 
after you break away from such addictions, which are pretty severe, by the way, um, heroin, crystal meth, there's, there's litanies of drugs that are so difficult to get off, but people who succeed, they often describe it as, yeah, I'm free. I went through the withdrawal. I did it all, but it feels like a little sunlight has been robbed from my life. And I don't think I'm ever going to get it back. And that's why the Iboga, I, I mean, they're saying it's resetting your state to pre-addiction levels. And what I just heard you say is the sun is shining again, the food tastes better. And if this is the promise of Iboga, it goes to show who's running our medical industry. You know, if there are things like this that are available, which we now know there are, how come it's not everywhere? And the reason is, is because when they give you a drug with three times the half-life of another drug you're trying to get off, you already know their intent. But do you feel like you've lost any sunshine? to try to describe it in that way, or do you feel like you gained it all back? Oh, definitely gained it, gained it back. And just being more present in the moment and enjoying the now and not, you know, not being caught up in fear of the future or where I'm going to make sure that I have these things. And that's been huge too, because it, you know, we truly should be here in the present. And the more that you're stuck in that future, what's going to happen state um that's where people are lost and neglecting the things that are important right in front of you so from the moment you came off the iboga there was no hell-bent withdrawals so what about two weeks after is your mind saying hey man i gotta go find that bottle i threw by the road are you getting any thoughts like this are you having temptations where you feel like jumping back on the crazy train or was all that gone too nothing gone wow and a lot of it too is like i have a great group of people that we have met through the fairs and through your audience and we all support each other we all spend a lot of time together we're helping each other grow in different ways and we've got i have more of a community now than i've than i've ever had and that's huge that is huge you know, for so long, people were bad mouthing Owen or the Bears. And what I have seen is they have done more as community than any other thing I can point at. As a matter of fact, we're about to have Owen back on. And the reason I asked him back on was to talk about what the community is doing. They have reached out to each other. They've had actual person-to-person meetings, which never happens with the online age. Uh, they give people give each other breaks on food and all kinds of, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. It reminds me of what fortune called. We have to build the new Jerusalem. As far as I can see the, the groups of bears are coming closer to that than anything I've seen anywhere. To be fair, I don't surf a lot online, but Jason, do you feel like I'm dropping anything? No, but when you say the aboga kind of reset your brain, would it say that it almost puts you back to like when you are a much younger person? Yeah, I would say it does. I mean, it definitely with with all that baggage weighing me down, I mean, there was already something in me that wanted to get off of this. And I had gone years and years of just accepting it and being like, well, I'm just going to do this forever. And it had already started to weigh on me. And it's like definitely a weight lifted. That stuff will affect different chemistry in your body that is starting to come back like real serotonin and probably all kinds of stuff is, is coming back that has been suppressed 
over half my life and I have yet to find a downside. Think about this. I know firsthand when I got out of the Marine Corps, they put me on Vicodin-like substances and I broke the addiction by myself and it was not easy. And I remember thinking, I wonder how many people are able to pull this off. And I didn't do it on my first try either, but one of the worst parts about it is you don't sleep. And what you're saying, and I, you know, I equate the not sleeping as like part of the withdrawal. Um, but some people, I mean, months and months and months, they're not sleeping and you didn't get any of that. It's pretty amazing. By the way, did your body purge? Often people who break things like Vicodin or other opiate addictions, and they put so much crap in those, there's all kinds of uh, uh, Tylenol-like things in most of that. There's all these things that are not healthy for you. And when you break the addiction, you have diarrhea, sometimes for like a month, your body trying to, to clean out all that stuff. Did you have a body clean out? Did you throw up or have diarrhea after the fact? Uh, no, no, just uh, like the first time I used the restroom afterwards, it was pretty intense. A clean out. Yeah, it was, it was a clean out. And then, you know, like all even that system is operating better because that stuff will constipate you. And it's like, how many years you live like that? But also an interesting thing when I was looking into it is like the main compound that is used by big pharma for creating these opiates is called the Bane, which is interesting. And then a friend of mine looked, I looked up, he looked up the uh, chemical compound, like the code number, or maybe it was the atomic weight or something, but it's basically like 33, 66, 9, 11. All the numbers are there. <laughs> it's called the Bane and people can look it up. B-A-N-E. Uh, I've played on that word, but I mean, it's all black magic, isn't it? I mean, the oh, shape yeah. of them, the color, the little, the little letters and numbers they put it. I am convinced that all pharma from a pharmacy is a form of black magic at this point. Oh yeah. Those Suboxone pills were an octagon and they had an eight on them uh, and they were orange. So all kinds of things. Well, I'm, so happy to have met the number of people who heard the Iboga episode we first did before I knew much about it and the follow-ups that we've done since. And if there are people listening, Mr. K, that have a terrible addiction, they want to get off, where would you suggest they start? And I'm again going to say it again. Pretty sure this is illegal all over the United States, but we have the internet. I would recommend some of the small books. Uh, I, I read three of them in three nights. They're so small and they tell you just about everything you need to know, but what would be a good idea to prep up if someone was going to seek this treatment to break addiction? Yeah, I would definitely do your research on it. And, you know, I spent a week or two just reading and reading and reading and reading. And it's definitely the information is out there and it's like, if you seek, you'll find not I mean, I don't know how much detail you want to go into as far as getting it, but I don't think we can. Um, I think people are going to have to seek and find, and there's community hint, 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 everybody there's community. I can't say more than that. Yep. I will say if I, if I had paid five or $10,000 to go to a medical setting in Mexico, uh, to sit in a hospital bed, it would have been a totally different experience. And some of those places like they're churning and burning people through there and it's 
not working for some people. And I even read some of them. They're like blasting people off with DMT at the end. Like, like they're turning it into a, some kind of party or something, but yeah. in the, in the comfort of my own home with the help of my wife and support, I got through it and it's life is good. So I'll say it one more time. People like that follow Crow triple seven radio. They're aware of the other communities around. We're all aware of each other. The community is getting realer every day as everyone begins to wonder how much long sister, how, how much longer systems will be as we grew up counting on reach out to the communities. If you seek, you will find, but the fact remains the fact it's illegal in this country. And you know why? Because the allopaths aren't going to have any successful addiction breaking thing become part of their pharmacopoeia. And besides it's not made out of petrochemicals. So a pride doesn't even qualify. But Jason, we got to be in close, and I feel like we've laid it down pretty thoroughly. Do you feel like there's other things we should include? Are there any negatives to this process that uh, you might want to discuss for anybody who's thinking about needing to try this? I mean, the biggest negative I can think of would be if a ton of this stuff is required to help people, like making sure that those that iboga plant isn't like over harvested and it's available. Cause I could see that being a problem where, I mean, some of these African tribes are like sustaining on selling this stuff now. Um, so hopefully they're replanting as fast as they're ripping roots out. Um, but as far as using it and, uh, there's, there is some like allegedly, if you have heart conditions or things like that, like you probably need some more advice than what I can give you. But, uh, I think there's also some fear porn out there regarding it. Like the 19 people that allegedly died from it. There's no, there's really no linkage or good documentation to those. It's more like a, it's unfounded. They threw out there. Yeah. yeah. It's unfounded. The books I read, there was one supposed mysterious death and even that was unfounded. So sorry to interrupt, but um, you, you got it. If you get, There's a couple books, even right on Amazon. And one of them, if you do any research, one of the main proponents of Iboga in this country wrote the books. And he was all about getting it legalized, getting clinical studies, and that really gets you on your way. I've read a lot about it. I've met a number of people now who have broken Suboxone, smoking, alcoholism, heroin. There's a tough one, uh, certain kinds of speed. Uh, But in the books, it will tell you that they're not certain if you were on Suboxone, whether or not it would work, but they also have another hint. If you do this and you do it in the proper way, you prep up for it. You fast a little bit. There's things you can read about if you're serious about this, how to prep to do it. What I heard unanimously is if you push against what's happening, you're in for a nightmare ride. If you throw yourself all in, then it's different. And to a person, they would say it was like a spiritual awakening coming out the other side. Now, depending how entwined you become with the Iboga, you'll hear everything from basically what Mr. K is laying down to I was in the most high def movie theater you can imagine. And my entire life was running. And by the way, I met my grandfather who died 50 years ago or other things like this. And it's not an ayahuasca mushroomy kind of thing. It's something wholly different. What would you add, Mr. K? Anything? I think that you're all accurate on on all of that, and it's it's not 
for everyone, but it is totally intent. You need to go in with the right intent, um, write down what you hope to get out of it on a piece of paper before you go into it. Pray. Prayer is huge. And going in with the right state of mind and knowing what you want, hope to accomplish, asking for help with that. Um, it's all in your favor. And I, I went in with um, not weaning down off of this because of the situation and everything that was going on. But if somebody's on the Suboxone or Methadone, I would definitely recommend if it's possible to wean yourself down as low as possible before you go into this. I just know myself and I knew that uh, if it was available, I was just going to keep taking the dose that was there. And I don't know that I could have, I probably could have done that, but the odds were not in my favor going that route. And I was tired of taking it and, and something happened that led to events that allowed me to have some time off to go through this and it worked out. I'm grateful. So as we wrap up 327.5, I'm going to give a description from my point of view, never having taken Iboga to be perfectly clear. I've never taken it. What I would describe this, everything, the books I've read, the people that I've met, I would not describe Iboga as just a plant I would describe it as a spiritual consciousness that delivers to you precisely what you individually, peculiarly need to see and have. It's a higher consciousness. That's how I would describe it. How would you describe it, having been an individual who actually took it? Definitely a a spiritual plant or experience. And I think it it will affect everyone differently. If If you're going into it as a pharmaceutical setting just to go in and fix something it it may not work and i think there's stories of people that have taken it and like nothing has happened or just like didn't work out well for them but again it's like intent and going into it with the right mentality knowing this is going to work for me it's a profound experience and the the description of it being a masculine versus a feminine I think is very accurate as well. All right. Well, I'll wrap up by saying this, by the way, I'm guessing since we're using a pseudonym, you're, you're not going to offer contact information, right? You know, I, I can be found on the Bertaria times. Okay. So the bear community is a community Hint, hint, hint. people helping each other out, um, say what you will, but that is going to matter more than anything I can dream of. If we keep on the road, we're on, here's the thing. Nobody deserves to be addicted. That is one of the highest forms of slavery, but here's the problem. It's an offer. And if you are addicted, like I was once addicted, I accepted an offer. In other words, how do I defend the stupid monkey who did this thing, me, that I did to myself, but it's done with maliciousness? Go into the doctor and say, hey, man, you've had me on this Vicodin and I can't get off it. I need you. Oh, well, here, take this methadone or Suboxone or this other thing that's damn near impossible to get off. Nobody deserves to live a life of slavery at that level, but don't ever forget who did it. You accepted an offer, even if it was underhanded and shady, which it is, even if it is malicious, which it is, that is the truth of the matter. And knowing that it was your own hand that got you where you are, what we're pointing to here can be your own hand to get you off if you're serious about it. But unfortunately, we live in an allopathic country and these things are illegal. But 
I've talked to, I don't know, Rose, sheesh, six or seven people I've been emailed by and actually talked to a couple of them since we did the initial Iboga. And not only that, David Avocado Wolf did it. And I got his whole experience and his was intense because he did it alone (laughs) with another person and apparently took a pretty whopping dose. I think he described to me that it was three days for him. Wow. But the stories that you hear are that it's life-changing at a reborn again, spiritually kind of level. But anyhow, Mr. K, any last words? And thank you so much for sharing your experience. Yeah, hopefully it will help some more people. Uh, One funny thing is the Suboxone doctor, I was in communication with her prior and kind of afterward a little bit, just like, hey, this is what's going on. I probably won't be calling you, hopefully. And she called me like a month or two later asking how I, I got off of it. Uh, because she had another patient that was trying to get off of it. And I told her the whole thing and she was pretty impressed by it. And there wasn't a whole lot she could do with the info, but I think I opened her eyes a little bit. It happens all the time with these doctors because doctors don't practice medicine. They follow directions or they lose their gig now. Yep. Anyhow, Rose has messaged me as we wrap up here. If you contact Rose through the help ticket on Crow 777 Radio, she will introduce you to the bear community where you need to be or other places. There's more than one place. But this, as far as I can tell, is as real deal as anything. In the same way I know the remedies Fortune showed me are as real, they are real. It changed everything I know. And, And me personally, I would have been looking like Michael J. Fox in another five or six years had I not met Fortune just to be perfectly clear. And this too, it's not, it's not make-believe. This is the real deal. And it exists in our world. And we're coming to a time, who knows what's going to happen to systems, the medical system, the supply system, who knows? But there are groups of folks out there banding together, helping one another out. And we all better start doing something like this and quit bad-mouthing each other because things could get serious. And if they do, the only way you're going to make it is through the help of the people you know. But there it is. There is the end of basically an hour, maybe a little over hour of episode 427.5 with Jason Lindgren. Rose is listening in. And Mr. K, who came on to share his addiction breaking experiences with a plant called Iboga or a substance called Ibogaine. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers.
belief is the enemy of knowing.